99 drinks still left to go Welcome all in and enjoy the show It's me though, with I'm the host You know, so sit back, relax, grab a snack and let's go What's going on? Welcome back to the 99 Dreams podcast. Today we're at a different setup and we've got a live guest right next to me. This is this is interesting. This is the first time this has ever happened that we've been able to run a setup like this. It took us a little bit, but um, I'm really excited about this on Fino. This is going to be so much fun. I get to introduce to you my wonderful cousin who's been on a hell of a journey so far, but yeah, without further ado, let me introduce to you guys, Haoro Hong. What up, my cuz? Kia cousin. Kia Before we even get started, can you just give us a bit of a kōwai Norway, who you are and where you're from? Ah, okay, kāpai. Kāti mata pēnei ni. Tō kūti i e korua tarana ki au weke mai ai te wai yorongo mai wai rere rā ki tai ua te moana tā poko poko moi mai rā e o kutu puna ki ua ki atakatu ki puni o te tauaro ki a rau o toko pauna te tūpuna o puna te aro a te tari o te ora e ara koi ara te nei ko ngā maanga a tairi puta ki te au e. Ara ko haora ro ki tai hua tāne te aneoni wa tēnei. E mihi atu ana ki a koe o tira, e mihi atu ana ki te kaupapa i waina nui a tātou. Man, no. You guys, you guys, well, some of you guys that know this fella, that do watch the show on a regular, this is going to be an exciting episode. So, cuz, let's dive into it. Do you know much about the podcast? Um, in all honesty, nah, <laughs> n- not too much. Um, you won't be the only one, my cousin. You're not the only one. Okay. <laughs> nah, it's all good. So, pretty chill here. It's just roll with it, have some fun, and answer a few questions along the way. But I left one of my major components at home, so we're just going to have to write it down on a piece of paper. But we'll, we'll put it in the box for him when we get to that part of the segment. But what are you up to these days, my cousin? Wait, what are you doing? Um, well, at the moment, uh, I've just come off the back of a pretty full-on year, um, 2022. Uh, it was a big year. I uh, set a lot of uh, goals um, for art and um, creating and working um, inside schools and working with um, tamariki. Um, so last year, I um, attempted three um, murals with three different schools, and we um, completed them all, uh, with the largest being uh, 35 metres that um, now uh, sits proudly outside of Te Pipinga, um, Kākono, Mairangiatea, Te Kurukaupapa Māori o Ngā Motulia. Um, and that's 35 metres, so that was definitely the biggest um, project and thing that I picked up last year. Um, in terms of my projects so at the moment i'm just kind of in that reset phase of um, looking for more funding looking for um more avenues to further um my engagements with different schools or various schools um this year i'm looking at hopefully engaging with uh, white Center high school for a mural project um and so just just still at the moment just floating around the mountain trying to um plant as many seeds as I can about toy Māori um, for the next generations um, and that's pretty much been um, my goal um, for 2022 um, so you might not see me but it's not to mean to say <laughs> that I'm not active or I'm not out and about um, 
constantly floating at different kaupapa and it's just just how I roll really you just roll with the punches and you you carry on you flow through to other kaupapa you just help out however you can wherever you can um so yeah I, I pick up a lot of um stuff like that a lot of work artwork um or commissions to do but um I think the main things that really excites me is is working with tamariki on um, art uh, getting them to see and realize their own full potential um, and that's that's basically what I align all of my kaupapa towards is so people can understand a process and then they can use that process to help um, enlighten themselves but also to help project their um, the best version of themselves. And did you have anyone that was you know one of those big influences in, in the art space for you coming through that why you want to be such a role model in that space for time? Um, yeah, I had um, very good artists, uh, of artist mentors around me, um, such as the likes of Barry Tefatu, um, a very a prominent carver in stone, bone and wood. Um, Hemi Sundran, another prolific carver, also Tamoko artist, um, very renowned historian for um, the northern areas of Taranaki, uh, or Taranaki Whanui. Um, and then Rangi Kippa. Um, just the style of um, perfection and um, you know really gravitating towards that that uh, perfection that he's found within his work and within his mediums that he plays with. Um, so they were massive um, role models for me. Um, like most other rangatahi, um, there's so many uh, decisions to make in life, and I suppose that if I had not had those three mentors in the times that I needed them most, um, who knows where I would be now. I don't think I'd, I'd be um, this far into it as a um, career, as a full-time um, artist and as a full-time toy Māori practitioner. Awesome to hear and there's some big names that you've mentioned along the <laughs> way there. Um, for whānau around Taranaki you will know, uh, for those who don't. Uh, I think you will if you do a little bit more research. <laughs> So, cuz, can you explain for our listeners that aren't Māori, um, or maybe not even from New Zealand, what, what is Toi Māori? So, Toi Māori is, um, is what we know and refer to as um, the indigenous um, art form of New Zealand, or the indigenous art form of the Māori people. So, Toi Māori is, uh, is art or anything creative or anything created by a hand of a Māori or anything to do with the conceptual Māori whakaro, that is toy Māori. Anything that you project um, into the world by a Māori person, made by Māori, that is toy Māori. It, it extends beyond, um, how was the word, the Pākehā explanation for art. It extends beyond that. It's more or less fluid with who you are. Yeah. Toy Māori is practical. Um, toy Māori is not art that just sits on the wall and has a value and that's it and the value increases. Toy Māori is about having practicality for those who um, are subjected to seeing that piece of work. Um, so whether it's the messages, whether it's the, um, the powerful um, imagery used or motifs used in the piece, it's about um, utilising that to actually um, you know, help help yourself in a practical way to help get through your daily challenges. 
uh, to help um, reevaluate your life, to help reevaluate um, tasks that might be mundane or help change your perspective on how you might see life or death. Um, so toy Māori, it's not just an art, it's, 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 it has a practical element that cannot be denied and that cannot be taken away. Um, so my definition of toy Māori is um, it has to be made by a Māori and it has to have that Māori whakaaro of helping someone else and helping enrich other people's uh, lives. That is toy Māori, that's the practical essence of um, who we are as Māori and why we create for Māori. So within Toi Māori, there's that well-being aspect to it, and I think it goes beyond that therapy of creating something, um, putting out a product or a piece of money that you're proud of, but I think it also extends into the essence of the creation as opposed to the final product. So I think, and you can expand on this, but is there an essence of order involved within the creation process as opposed to just putting out pieces of money? Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a whole nother um, a world that's just lying beneath the surface, I suppose, waiting for us as artists to, to be willing to dive deeper into um, internal affairs um, or internal... Um, looking for internal resolutions to um, some of the questions that might be burning in the back of your mind, such as, who am I? What do I believe in? What do I stand for? And what do I die for? Um, those questions are burning questions that um, I think, or I find a lot of the time when I'm painting, those are the questions that really arise within myself. And through those questions, it helps get me to a place where um, visually I can interpret who I am, where I'm going, what I'm doing, or what my purpose on this earth is, and um, and who benefits from, um, from this journey. Uh, because at the end of the day, it's not just me that benefits from this whole toy journey it's it's the community everything um that we do as practitioners has a practi practical um use specifically for our community uh, to be to be able to um use and utilize as tools to help strengthen and to help enhance their lives um, so there's a whole lot of um, aspects that toy maori can provide in terms of identity um, more often than not, you just have to ask the question internally and um, through continuously asking yourself these questions will the answer um, show itself to you in the right moment. And I've found that for me personally, all of the answers have come whilst I've been creating, um, being creative and whilst I've created um, things for other people and dedicated my time um, for creating and establishing connections with others. Uh that's such an important essence of I think most of what we do as Māori is the importance of connections making and maintaining um, those relationships mm. what are some of the most important relationships that have um, not been beneficial to your mahi but sort of helped you become who you are today um, for me personally um, a lot of the relationships that I look at um, that are most key to me um, in terms of um, how I've um, gotten to this point in my career. I'd have to say family was definitely a big one. Um, 
there were weeks, there were months, there were years where I wasn't making any money, um, where it almost was a pipeline dream, where I had to really master my own mind and um, not feeding into negativity um, and doubting myself. Um, so family was definitely that, that beacon of hope and that beacon of strength that I relied on to help um, to just help keep me positive, help keep me sane, help keep me believing in myself. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing any relationship can ever give you, um, regardless of whether it's your tutors, regardless of whether it's your peers, regardless of whether it's your students, regardless of whether it's your family. Uh, and building off of that, like, I think we've got a strong whānau, um, especially outside anyway. I've had Breezen on the podcast, Te Ope, uh, Stephen's been on the podcast, <laughs> now we've got you. And it, it just goes to show that, you know, can always call on our whānau to help us out whenever we need them to. And uh, we've, we've been through it. We've all been through it together, but we've always remained strong together. Uh, I think that's one of our biggest strengths, say, is that um, no matter what kind of falling out we've all had or will have, <laughs> we'll always manage to sort of tie the knots and come back together again and patch up those works. Mm. Um, but just touching on that, I remember um, when I was at uni, Rawiri was full-time working, and um, when I'd come back <laughs> from uni, he'd be the only one that would reach out and be like, come on, cuz, I've got us a feed. We'll go down to the uh, local diner and we'll, I'll, I'll, I'll get us a steak meal. Um, and then I suppose when when he was a student living down south, I would I'd return the favour by I'll send him some countdown vouchers here and there, a couple of fuel save vouchers, uh, just just to just so he knows that you know I believe in him and and that the journey that he uh, is facing it might be hard now, but the 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 rewards at the end of it are definitely going to be there for lifetime and the lessons learnt. And so, um, yeah, regardless of us not really speaking or keeping in close contact, you know, you always knew that I supported him regardless and, um, and vice versa. Um, and, yeah, that's just the power of family. Um, and it's just the little things, eh? It doesn't have to be nothing too major. Um, you know, $50 food voucher goes a long way when you're only getting 50 bucks a week. Yeah. And it's now you know how to craft that extra 50 bucks to make another couple more meals or you stock the freezer instead of the pantry because you're like, oh, yeah, now I can actually get a <laughs> couple of minces. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it really is that important part of that you maintain those relationships and just because you move away uh, and you don't get to keep in touch as often as you'd like to, it doesn't mean that those relationships are lost forever. It's just you've got to look, work a little bit harder to maintain them and just make sure that when you do reconnect, you know, don't act weird. No one's changed situations and we may have grown a little bit, but at the end of the day, everyone's still who they used to be and who you thought they were and why they were your mates or your whanau in the beginning. So it's a, if you're lucky enough to have a whanau like we've got, it's yeah. on. Can I build, like, or dive a little bit deeper into that? Because I, I know you'll find, I mean, uh, I lived with you for a little bit there. 
So, you know, how important um, was, you know, your mum, your dad, um, on both sides, you know, both both whānau, how important was that to, to the growth of who you are now? As a lot of you might not know, um, I was uh, whāngai out at birth, um, but before I was um, born, um, my biological parents um, drew up a contract with my whāngai parents, um, who at the time was my birth mother's cousin. Um, so I was whāngai from um, Dawn and Dickey uh, to um, Leone and Ruekere Hond. Um, and yeah, they had a contract written up um, and it wasn't until I was about uh, 24, no, nah, 26, I think, I found that contract um, sitting next to my birth certificate at my uncle's house in like a closet, a wardrobe somewhere. It was real, real weird. But um, I suppose I'm really thankful that my um, biological parents did not fully adopt me um, legally. Um, so I was... And into our Māori, we, we whāngai our, our tamariki, but it's not to say that we're giving them out to someone we don't know. We're still keeping that connection in the family. It's to keep those um, older connections between the generations alive. Um, and I was the the youngest of five. I was the youngest of five, so I was the fifth child. And um, my mother and father, um, birth mother and father at the time, understood that they um, financially couldn't look after me or couldn't afford to take care of a fifth kid. Um, and so they decided to whangai me out to uh, Leone and Ruikere. Um They also wanted me to have what they never had and to have what my siblings will never, will, will have never had which was an, um, an upbringing in Te Reo Māori and a, and a foundation here in Taranaki. Uh, the rest of my siblings and family all grew up in um, Auckland, Taranaki. Um, yeah. I'm pretty uh, lucky, I suppose, to have known and always had um, my second whānau in my life, my birth father, my birth whānau. Um, I always knew um, that I was whāngai, um, and yeah, I, I just was am super thankful that I'm not, I know who I am, I'm not having to um, go on that bloody TV show, Missing Pieces. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's, and I don't mean to laugh, um, but I'm just super thankful that I don't have to experience that, um, that side of, um, discovering who I am, because I see the pain, I see the mummy, I see everything that builds up in those kids and those parents as well. The shame, the regret, the mummy, the pain, everything. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just super humbled, super thankful that my parents um, went the, the route that they have. Um, it can't always be easy. It can't have always been easy, especially when I was in public going, when, they, when both my sets of parents would be together, I'd be like, Mum! And they'd both look around, and then everyone in public would think, oh, this lesbian couple. <laughs> but no, it was just being, me being cheeky and knowing that they're in public and that they'd both look around. So <laughs> You've got that distinct voice too. So yeah, they're... yeah, that distinct voice. So they both look around, and then everyone's looking at them like, lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> 
no, it's been amazing. And like you said, Matoru, Krim, Faliani, they're amazing, amazing people. And hella intent with the real. I remember coming around here as a kid and Mato asked us something and I'm sitting at the table like, I'm just trying to eat my wheat fix. I'm all good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it was like that. And like, he'd forget that he comes back, for, like he'd forget <laughs> that he just came back from a Fiti hui for like, or conference for like six days and they've just come up with 400 new words and then he's coming home and we're just trying to eat our wheat fix. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, there wasn't really much of a focus for us, te reo Māori. Um, um, and that's because um, Dad would always speak it to us, but he was never, ever, he never, ever forced us to have to speak te reo Māori um, within the home. Um, as long as we understood it, um, he was okay with that. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with why I suppose we naturally gravitate back towards Te Ao Māori mm. is because it's not something that was forced on us as kids. It's something that naturally we will grow into and naturally come to discover ourselves. And I think naturally that's what we've done, eh? Um, mm. And we've redefined our lives around being Māori. And that's 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 what I think winning, eh? Is that, you yeah. know, we're... When growing up, we were always laughed at for being Māori. Now, now it's 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 we're on. Yeah. <laughs> being Māori is on. Like the future ahead of us is just so bright, and I think that's why I put a lot of stress with my tawira is for them to be able to see their own brilliance, mm. or as to on certain projects why I have high standards because I only see the full potential of what amazingness can come out of each and every one of my tawira, each and every one of um, my peers, everything, my whānau. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll touch on what you were saying before, is that we, we were amongst the privileged few to be able to grow up around Tao Māori, but we were also amongst the privileged few that were allowed to not be as involved or be as involved as we wanted to be throughout the entire process. Uh, like Harold was saying, we've never once been forced into it, but we've always been around um, together. We've always known that. Mm. Um, that's one thing that I've learned recently, eh, catching up with a few of my mates down south who are Māori, who never got to grow up around it or um, have any exposure to it. So going through university is their, that's, that's their crash course into quote unquote being Māori. Which is a difficult place to be um, for us. Like, heck, it was going to the marae. It was sleeping at um, Auntie Sally's on the on the mattresses with breeze and chose and jamming the game till ungodly hours of the morning. <laughs> it's the um, hanging around that hui when you just want to be staying home, when you just want to go back by the cousins. Is going to all the far nose places. There's no toys because just old people that our aunties and uncles and all that so it's like it's those moments that you don't realize as a kid eh? yeah. that are actually so important when you get older as to those those are the relationships that our, our parents and stuff were maintaining um the hui that's the stuff that a lot of what you're into now <laughs> going to different hui. Yeah. so we've always been involved and in watching in the background we just never had to be placed in the forefront and now it's crack up because I now work for his father, learning Theo, uh, in this building. <laughs> yeah. 
funnily enough, we were, we were both kind of raised in this house. Um, this exact room was our escape route for when we need to sneak out at night. How many times did that work? No. <laughs> Raoul refused to jump from the loft down to the first floor. Or rather walk down those... Or the stairs, yeah. yeah. But see, the worst thing is, though, is that, like, <laughs> Matua's office is the room just adjacent from here, which... He was always working on that damn PhD, so I don't even think, even if I did jump down, we were getting out of here. Nah, 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 our, our dad was uh, dad was way too quick, way too smart for us. Which brings me into a story that we touched on when Tilpe came on. <laughs> you remember this one, eh? <coughs> so for some of the viewers, if you haven't seen that episode, I recommend pause this here, go back and listen to Breezen's yeah, episode. It's a goodie. Listen to that side of the story, because now... <laughs> Because me and Breezen left the house together. And then we heard how Breezen got back home. <laughs> well, he's the one that was left with our other cousin. And they, they got up to who knows what. So let's find out this side of the story. So after Rowdy and um, Breezen had left to go to some party, uh, me and Uriah were freaking out. So this is for my, oh, this is for my 15th day. Yeah, it was something. 14, yeah, 14, 14, this is like the first time we're allowed to drink here. Yeah, and it was only like three or four each, and then we, so we were already given like <laughs> quite a nice little length of rope, and we just pulled the shit out of there, and <laughs> we got the whole the whole yard of, of rope. So, <laughs> so we we're allowed to drink. Had a couple in the back room, sweet as, and. Um, <laughs> So Raldi takes off to a party. Breezen, not long after, goes to follow him to tell him to turn around and come back. And so me and Uriah for half an hour sitting there for about half an hour to an hour thinking, nah, they're going to get in trouble. They're going to get us caught. They're going to get us caught. And so um, so what me and Uriah done, thought, oh, well, fuck it. What we'll do is we'll jump on the scooter. <laughs> we'll jump on the motorized scooter. It would have been like a 250C Suzuki Swift um, orange, bright <laughs> orange. We'll jump on the scooter and we'll um, we'll go down the foreshore and we'll see, we'll see if we can find them and tell them to turn around. And so we, we ended up um, going out, eh? And, um, <laughs> and it's, it's, I forgot that it was cold because um, where we were drinking, there was no wind. And then once you got down to the foreshore on the scooter going 50 kilometers on the walkway, I forgot I was in a singlet and I was just like, it's cold. And then there's my cousin, who's big ass, <laughs> sitting behind me, like tucking his head in behind my head going, ah, you're right, my cousin? Uh, do you see them yet? Do you see them yet, cousin? And yeah, so anyway, we get right up to, I think the party was at Gills High. Yeah, on the other side of town. Right on the other side of town. <laughs> and so we, we get to Gills High, me and my cousin on the scooter, and no helmets, no protective gear, nothing. And then we, we get there, couldn't find the party. And then so we decide to turn around and go home, <laughs> come home um, along the foreshore. Um, <laughs> and then when we got home, uh, Rowley was nowhere to be seen. Breezen was somehow home. He beat us home. Some fucking hell. He beat us home. 
And um, <laughs> my OP. Yeah, he beat us home. Mum and dad were pissed off that me and Uriah got the scooter taken off us, etc., etc. And why did you leave our, your cousin Breezing behind? Only he was the only one with the amount of logic to stay behind. He had respect for his auntie, not you, little shits. And then we had to sit there the next morning listening to our boy. You didn't want to tell them you came out with us too, asshole. Because that got me, because everyone was like, gee, we come back and he's sitting there, happy ass, yeah. <laughs> didn't get in trouble. But on the podcast that Breeze's on, he was like, yeah, because I pretty much just got through the door. Matauruki opens the door and goes, oh, where's the others? He's like, oh, no, I think they just went to the bathroom. I don't know. <laughs> I've just been sitting here. I was like, gee, you cracked it out. And that's why he'll always be remembered as her favourite. Yeah, yeah. He got rewarded too for not going out. <laughs> he actually just got rewarded from my mum for not going out. <laughs> and there we are. We got rewarded with jobs. Um, yeah, didn't really know how that worked out um, for us. I think it wasn't until like, and I think it wasn't until a couple of years ago that mum actually, I think we actually told her. Yeah, it wasn't on your 21st. Yeah, 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 my 21st. Well, like, we actually told mum, like, hey, you know, I think she brought it up. Yeah. She brought it up at my 21st at a party, and I was like, ah, don't even bring that story up. Nah. I'm missing the facts. Yeah, because nah, didn't she try to catch us for that other one time, Matua caught? I hid in the shower, you hid in the pantry underneath the bonsai. <laughs> so she brought up that story, and I was like, hey? And you're like, yeah, that's not even the worst. And I was like, yeah. Him? <laughs> we just point some breeze in. That's right. And yeah. then she's like, no. Not my OP. Reason. You bastard. You got us good, eh? He was just quick. Quick. You got us good, cuss. The black flash, eh? You're not sure he that fella. <laughs> <laughs> Shader as a teenager, he's just the most, like, no facials, no, like, expression, but just the fastest, just the fastest fella. <laughs> <laughs> you look around and he's gone. <laughs> he's already gone. He's, he's that's our cousin Breezen, eh? That's just how he was. Um and then chosen. So while well, we've got Breezen, who's he's just super not super slow, but like super uh, what's what's a good way of describing Breezen? He's pretty agile. Like he's, he's pretty agile. He, he wasn't slow, he just would always his, the look on his face, he'd always be reading the room. He'd always be calculating everything. So he'd always all look like... Look like. Oh, he's quite reserved. Quite reserved at times. But then, like, at the same breath, like, bang, gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, he was, he was a funny one, eh, old Breezen? Or, like, um, whenever we'd go over or he'd come over to our house, we'd introduce him to a new game on the... Um, PS2 or Xbox, and like he hasn't played it before. So we ask him, oh, Have you played this? Nah. And then we're like, Yes, finally a game we might be able to beat him on. And then like we'll be jamming, jamming, and then like we'll be winning, winning, and then he'll just get serious, like, ah, Nah, I got you now, I got you now. Fine. And then just, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh, yeah. And it just, it just pull out the most tin ass, the most tin ass victories ever. Like, Never will you ever see a tenas 
victory like a breeze in one <laughs> especially on the game because like don't matter how many um hours or how many uh times you've clocked the game you'll never clock Breezen <laughs> or yeah, Chosen. Wow. Or if you beat Breezen, you'll never beat Chosen, his older brother. If you beat Breezen and Chosen, you're going to get wasted by Uncle Dennis. <laughs> so, like, it was, like, games never was never fun with them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, games on Xbox, they were just too good. They were just way too good. They're too competitive at everything. But, like, not competitive to be competitive. Competitive to just win at everything. No, like there was just, just no natural, natural yeah, talent. Shit. Just <laughs> natural instincts, natural talent. Just every every game. Rugby was the worst to play with them. Like, UFC, yeah. the worst. They just yeah. Trash. <laughs> Run it back now. Run it back now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that was then. Things are a lot different now. <laughs> hey, run us up in duos, man. Yeah, yeah. Run yeah. us up in duos. Come, nah. come around here, play that quad mobile, we'll catch you. Nah, he's a parfa now, so he's, he's a busy man. <laughs> he's no time for games, he reckons. <laughs> but, Mano, see, that's the importance of having those strong relationships throughout your entire life because you can reflect on moments like that. Go through getting an arse off and getting a growl and getting chores for like months. Uh, the ones that get me though out is cleaning this house when the cleaner's coming the next day. Up <laughs> <Bro>. to <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mum, mum didn't have a shortage of lists of jobs for us to do out eh, here. Or that fire water. Oh, we're supposed to go to the movies. Yeah, we miss. We say mum brought us tickets to the movies, and we just had one job, and we and there was a stack like three or four cubes of firewood and so that was our job and our payment was our um, money our tickets for the movies and our um, kai kai money um so we thought oh yeah we'll start this at nine and it just took fucking ages so come 9 15 we we're like fuck this what we're gonna do our movies at 11 30 we're just gonna sit out here and kill time <laughs> until our movie starts and just be like nah well you've got to take us to the movies now and well that didn't work with dad and um backfired he said oh well, you're missing your movie <laughs> so we stacked the wood and didn't even get to go to the movies it sucked man it took us the whole bloody day there was heaps of wood too four cubes ah. not just your two not one trailer but two levi's fault i blame him yeah and then we had a third cousin <laughs> i'd always ring his mum on the day that my mum would tell us we had jobs to do or every time we had to clean up the house. Oh, auntie, mum's coming to pick me up. I already rang her. <laughs> and like, he's already just eating bacon and eggs on toast and it's just like, oh, auntie, mum's picking me up now. <laughs> wow, yeah, what a guy, eh? But I will give you one credit. She always gave us a mean feed on cook, like clean up day. So can't really complain. But still, I hated those bathrooms there. <laughs> yeah, we always got stuck on toilets, vacuuming, everything. Uh, but we had a great childhood, though. Like, yeah. far privileged days. We had heaps. Beach just down the road. We had town just that way. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know where I'm pointing. <laughs> yeah, but, <all laughs> but no, it, it, we had a 
special childhood. It was amazing. Um, and we still have those amazing bonds today. And it's, it's cool seeing um, all, all the kids now coming through, having those similar bonds getting shared around as well. And it's cool seeing seeing them, the whānau grow a little bit bigger now, uh, especially with Chosen's 2, Reasons mm. 1 and 1 on the way. Um, Hamid's, Stephen, sorry, Stephen, his his baby, um, Uriah, his baby. Yeah. Yeah, man. Levi, Levi's baby. Levi. So all the cousins now, you know, that's growing. Modu next. <laughs> Either him or you. <laughs> no, no pressure. No pressure. None wanted. <laughs> but let's dive into the part of the show, my cuz, where um, these are the more scripted questions. These are what I ask every week. So the first one is, um, if you could go back to, oh, how far back should we go? If you could go back and talk to, let's go 21-year-old Haoro, what would you, what piece of advice would you say to 21-year-old Haoro if you could? It'll probably be not to beat yourself up for your mistakes. Um, remember that those mistakes are there to help teach you an important lesson. Um, and that not to be caught up on on how much uh, mistakes you've made or how you feel like you're in the same cycle, repeating the same behaviours. Um, it all pays off in the end. Um, <laughs> I'm not here saying you finally learnt the lesson. <laughs> I'm um, just saying that, um, you know, try not to beat yourself up too hardly. Um, we've done some horrific things, um, but the best is yet to come. And um, all of the um, the dues that we owe people are um, all going to get paid out um, in the years to come. So, yeah, don't beat yourself up too hard. Um, well, that's some mean advice. There's a lot of growth in, there, in those words, my cuz. And... I know the the twenty one year old man that you were, and, and the man sitting next to me today, definitely not the same person, but you were definitely shaped by that that person. And nah, cause oh, I love that and appreciate that about you that you've been able to overcome all of the animosity that you've you've had in your life. And I'm I'm proud of the man you are today, my cuz, because um, you fellas don't know his full history, and it's not that bad, but you know, like. Um, Coming through high school, we're always arseholes. <laughs> I mean, that's half the reason why I lived with him for a bit. So it's <laughs> another story for another time. But, you know, to see where the cuz is now, and, you know, um, from a bank that struggled to give us a bank card to um, now having his artwork on it or a light festival we used to go to as kids, now showcasing his art to the world. So, Bano. This fella is on to some amazing things. I'll, I will link a lot of his stuff down below um, for those interested to find out more about the cuz and, and about what he's up to around around the world, really, because you're not just localised here to Taranaki. This is where you are most prominent and work out of, but he's definitely not limited to Taranaki. The ceiling is not here. The ceiling is past the atmosphere. So, nah, I love, I love it um, for you, my cuz, to see that growth and to hear that growth in you. Um, that's on. Mm. So I'll flip it now. And you're looking through that camera. 
and you look back on this video in five to ten years, what is something you'd like to say to yourself or ask yourself in the future when you're looking back on this video? I think it would be, does the world still need you? Um, that would probably be it. Um, or does the world still need you in the role that I'm in at the moment, um, which is being an art practitioner? Or does the world need me in another light? Does it need me in another role? Um, what does my community need? What does my family need um, to grow into the future? Um, and when I talk about family, I'm not meaning um, my family in this generation. I'm meaning um, my family in the generations to come. Um, you know, how, how can I help represent them in this time? Or how can I best set this up for them? Um, and did I? Did I do everything that I could to, um, to ensure that you've got every tool around you to see the people that you love succeed? I like that. So that's what you're putting in place at the moment, just trying to not make yourself obsolete, but work yourself to a position where you're not needed in those roles anymore? It's about um, showing people, showcasing what the platform could look like to people and what the role could look like, and then being able to offload it to someone else who's in that position like I was in that space to be able to um, grow into that role. Um, so it's just another uh, a stepping stone for others to follow, not into my footsteps, but to follow a path that they wholeheartedly believe in. No, I rate that. So you're not essentially <clears throat> creating a role for others to fill, you're just smoothing or mowing the grass for others to walk on and pave it themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly what you said. I'm just laying the foundations for others to be able to come in and um, and elevate that new platform to another level, um, to take the foundations that I've given and elevate it to a whole nother, a whole nother realm, um, and that's that's the role. Um, so I don't see myself sitting in this uh, developer stage for too long, maybe another ten to fifteen years. Um, until I actually start to see some of these seeds starting to produce fruits. Um, but that's that's a journey that I'm willing to, um, and that's, that's, a, that's a chapter that I'm willing to um, go down in terms of, uh, for the betterment of our art form, for the betterment of our people, but also uh, to help preserve and evolve our art form um, going into the future. Man, I love that, that's on. I was just thinking too, and you can be, um, you can correct me if, if I'm wrong, but I, I think, in my opinion, on succession is that succession shouldn't be to have someone take your place. It should be that your place is no longer needed, is that it's created something else. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> because I think with people who become so fixated on succession, you end up in situations like Russia and whatnot, where it's about I need to control. The situation whether it be in a workspace or whether it be in um, a whānau space when you're coming through you shouldn't be about control it should be about bringing everyone else up so they can surpass the levels that you were once at mm -hmm. i think that's what succession is truly about not just replacing someone with someone new yeah yeah no you're absolutely right there cousin absolutely right there
Uh, and this is the last part of the, the three-part question that, that's sort of premeditated in, in this podcast. And um, the whānau at home that are regular listeners, they know that this is where I pull out my shoebox. I've got this thing called um, the Dream Deposit Box. It used to be called the Dream Box, but that was because I didn't have a dream jar and people told me over summer they don't really like it being called the Dream Box. So it's the Dream Deposit Box. And in this box, I've filled it with heaps of people's dreams. Um, we've had people saying they want to just reach 30. That's their dream, is to reach 30. Um, others have said they just want to see their kids grow old. Um, some, I mean me, they've gone, because I didn't know what I wanted to put in there. I didn't know how this was going to be. So I put in, my first dream was to own a McLaren. Um, but recently I've put in there, I'd like to write a book one day um, and things like that. So what do you think you'd like to achieve? What, what's a dream of yours that we can put in this dream box? I know if I know that are watching this, they're like, where's this box? Well, I'll, I'll write it down when I get home. I'll place it in there. But for the viewers, ah, nothing changes. Ah, for the listeners, sorry, nothing changes for you. Um, I suppose for me, my dream is uh, for every single person in this world to realise their full potential, um, to manifest nothing but love and positive, uh, positivity in their lives, and um, to circulate um, just goodwill um, to all mankind. My um, one of my other big goals is to. For rangatahi to realise their own potential, to realise their own um, amazingness that they carry with them, um, and to not be disheartened by this world. Um, she's a pretty dark and dangerous world out there. Um, just know that um, you know there is support there, regardless of who it might be. You know, it might not be the person that we want to be there to support us, but hey. We can't stick our noses up at that. Um, support is support, regardless of where it comes from or what it looks like. Um, and just know you're amazing, eh? Um, and just know that you're loved and that you're beautiful. Um, and that's all I could... Um, that's If every rangatahi I ever come across um, has those qualities or believes in themselves or sees those, those attributes within themselves, then... Um, my dreams will pretty much be um, will come true, because what that means is that I'm engaging with rangatahi who are open-minded to picking up a paintbrush or picking up a chisel, picking up what, a tea towel, uh, picking up the fight quarter or on the pipe pie, um, and being that enlightened and that in tune with um, with your environment that it just becomes natural um, to be positive to believe in yourself and to just be amazing. That's my dream. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful dream. So it's, it's amongst the, the top tier. Not that I'm ranking people's dreams on the show, but that's up there because I love that. That's a beautiful dream. And I too hope that one day that can be achieved and I hope you see it in your lifetime. And for, you know, some of the rangatahi out there that feel like they're not getting a good go of it right now, just, just hang on. Just trust me, it does get better. It doesn't rain forever. And eventually you'll see the rainbow start to form. Mm. And once you get on the other side, sky's the limit. You've been through hell already, so you know what it feels like. So it can only get better. Just got to give it a little bit of time. I know it feels that it's crushing and you just want to give up, but 
keep pushing, you can get there. It just takes a little time. You just have to be patient with yourself. Don't worry about too much about other people, but be patient with yourself. Time is on your side. Mm. Time is on your side. So don't worry, Fana. You will get there and you will achieve great things. You stand on the shoulders of giants. And you've got nothing left to prove. You just go out there and do it. Have fun along the way. That's all you can really do. Just have some fun along the way. Because we ain't got forever. We've got long enough. And don't be afraid to fail. Failure um, has been the biggest tool for me to getting to where I am now. Um, I'm not going to go into detail about my failures, <laughs> but, or I'm not going to start counting them up. But um, <laughs> but just know that in in my time, uh, in, when I was growing up, there were a lot of mistakes, a lot of lessons that um, helped grow me and. Um, build me to where I am now and I think had I not had experienced those mistakes at such a young age then um, well I'll be fucked if I was doing them now yeah you know? um, so at a young age I did learn I, I did learn took a lot longer some of the lessons uh, uh, register but I learned <laughs> not um, the only one yeah I learned um, yeah and now coming up to three years sober from alcohol. So, yeah, it's possible. It's all possible. It is. You just got to give it time and let it work for you. Stop working against it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that's it. And once you make that conscious shift to, to be more than what you are or what you were when you woke up that day and every day, um that's the point where your life's going to start turning around and start changing um and you're going to start feeling and noticing your own um, internal wealth and your internal abundance of energy just grow hard out hard out so take these lessons far no there's been a lot in this we, we, we've been on a bit of a roller coaster <laughs> of emotions here we've, we've hit some highs and we've hit some lows but at the end of the day, it's still been a hell of a journey. Mm. And speaking of the highs and lows, Breezen introduced this new uh, segment. Well, it's not new anymore. It's pretty old now. I've got to stop saying new. It's a segment on the show. It's um, your rock and your rose, your highs and your lows. So what's been your highs and lows of the past? Let's, let's, let's go with, because it's still in the first month of the year. Let's go with last year. What was your highs and lows? Um, um, I think for me, my high was... Uh, probably having over 200 uh, students last year, um, most of them, actually all of them being um, secondary school um, kids, or not, no, sorry, uh, school kids, all of them being school kids. So about over, over 200 um, students. Um, that was very humbling for me eh, to realise um, not how much of a, following them amassing but how many people need this in their lives at the moment um, and how crucial this journey that I'm on is for everyone else or how relevant it is for our next generation um, that's probably the, the, the one of the highs um, but also um, uh, Māori Language Week 
um, unveiling the ATM for um, for TSB Bank. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, and then Matariki, the first year that um, us as a country celebrated Matariki last year. And so by celebrating it, I unveiled a, um, like a five, six metre um, waharoa called Te Arangi, and it's, it glows um, in the dark and it's got lights. Um, but that was um, in commemoration for the first recognition of Matariki being a public holiday um, here in New Zealand. Um, so yeah, um, I think just those three things alone have a lot of weight, not for now, but for the future generations to come and looking at, well, where did the foundations come from or where did the surge of this movement come from? And that's going to be one of the things that people are going to look back um, in, the, in the future as to saying, well, this was probably one of the recorded times where New Zealand really made that shift into um, a cultural society, um, a culturally accepting society, I suppose you call it. Um, and so it's massive. Um, yeah, and understanding the history as to what we're actually contributing back towards, um, that's probably the most beneficial high that I can get is the potential for the future. Um, the lowest, um, oh, actually, no, sorry. Um, one of my other goals, my big goal that I hit last year, that I, it was a goal that I've had since I was 18, so um, when I was at university, I um, said to myself, oh, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it as a painter, regardless of what happens, what's thrown at me. I'm going to make it, and I'm going to prove all my teachers wrong. I'm going to prove all my naysayers wrong. I'm going to prove them all wrong. I'm going to make it. And, the, and I said to myself, well, how do I know that I've made it? And I said, well, the moment that I sell a painting worth $10,000 or more, that's, that's when I know that I've made it and I've established myself in the art world. Um, so I hit that milestone um, last year. Um, I sold a painting for 15K. Um, and so um, for me, it wasn't about the monetary value. It was about the fact that I held on to this dream and I believed in myself. And it took me 10 years, 10 whole, <laughs> 10 bloody years. Um, but I got it, you know, I, I hit that milestone um, that I wanted um, and it wasn't about the monetary value of what my art's going for it was more so about how I can then sell it at that market and then be able to sustain myself within the community within doing community projects um, so that's where kind of earning that amount of money for a piece um, so I calculated when I was 18 I just create one of those a month try sell one a month and that's um, 120k a year which means that it's comfortable enough to live off save but also be able to focus um, back in on just running projects for my community because at the end of the day those are the seeds that i want to um, sow into the into the earth yeah wow. um, in terms of the lows um there wasn't too many um i think um, my biggest low was I was involved in a kaupapa last year um, and due to conflict within other members of that um, 
organization. Um, so I ended up walking away and I know a few others did as well based on the conflict within this organization. Um, so I think my biggest low was um, just seeing a kaupapa with so much potential and so much, um, just so much potential for our rangatahi, for our community. Um, and to see it kind of topple over um, was just really sad, um, especially knowing how much hard work and energy went into getting that kaupapa off the ground and getting it um, sustainable. Um, I think that was probably the saddest thing last year. Oh, actually, we are one of the saddest things. Uh, the other one would probably be um, the amount of tangihanga that um, we're now going to. Um, it's sad, really. It's sad. Just how many of our own um, whānau aren't really looking after themselves. Um, their hauora, um, and as a result, um, Tangis are almost every fortnight now, uh, or were last year. Uh, that was a pretty hard um, pill to swallow for 2022, I must admit. But um, nevertheless, if you're watching this, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we made it through um, another uh, sh uh, challenging year, I suppose. But yeah, I think that would be... Um, those would be my um, highs and lows on, on, on this journey, I'd, I'd say. Araori. And it's been a hell of a journey, and it's not over yet. There's still plenty more to go. Mm. Uh, yeah, there was a lot to unpack out of that. You, you've gone through a lot of lows. Uh, obviously, Tangihanga is the, the lowest of lows anyone could ever um, go through, really, eh? Mm. And wish that upon no one. The highs of last year, yeah, quite a successful year. And I think it was, it was the first time in a long time I've been able to attend some of these successes. I'll post up some of the photos as he's listing them off. You'll have to send me the one of the TSB Bank though. Yeah. But um, I'll put them up on, on the reels and, and then this podcast here on YouTube. But yeah, to be able to witness that journey firsthand has been amazing, my cousin. It's like you say, it's been 10 years to reach your goal that you set at 18, but even before then, you know, overcoming all of that to get to where you are now, you know. It's very humbling, eh? Yeah. It's very humbling. Um, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't really like to talk about myself <laughs> or, or like what I'm doing or the journey. So I, I hate for people to think that I'm, I enjoy the limelight or, or I'm, <laughs> I'm headstrong and just full of myself. Um, yeah, it can be quite challenging talking about myself or talking about my work in a way where I try to be neutral about it without talking myself up. <laughs> we all get there though. We all get yeah. there. Um, it's not. I don't think it's talking yourself up. I think every guest that comes on the show has... Um, has worth everyone has worth mm. and it's always great to celebrate everyone's worth i don't care if you're uh, um an established painter as they call you in the in the, in the bargain world an artist um or if you're a phd student or if you've finished a phd um 
if you haven't done a PhD and you uh, just, you know, a father, I don't care what your credentials are in life, but everyone deserves mm. to be celebrated. And um, everyone that comes on the show definitely has a lot of worth that needs to be appreciated. And I'm, like I tell most people, that's the whole reason I create this podcast is so that I can learn from other people how they've lived and how um, they've overcome challenges. Because, you know, even though we've grown up together and I've been alongside you, I've, I've not been able to witness your entire journey. And to hear some of the things that I've heard today, you, you can kind of, put the pieces together that have been missing you ah right mm. so that's where he's gone and it's so cool and um you know like i say i can only live one lifetime but i can learn from a thousand so that's why i invite so many people on here from all walks of life to be celebrated be appreciated and be um able to tell your story because we don't have forever and i know um you know our grandparents never had this medium and so we're now pretty much, what is it, enshrined within this channel. We we will be in the in the metaverse <laughs> one day. <laughs> but now, is there anything you'd like to say before we wrap up here, my cuz? And I just want to say thank you again so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I know some of the whanau around the country and around the world are watching. Uh, Friesen will be here. Uriah and Auntie Dale and um, Joel, they watch often. So shout out to our uh, Coast Fano there over in Gold Coast and Brizzy. Um, and then obviously Fano around Waitara and Taramaki will be watching as well. Yeah. Um, final words. Don't be afraid to try and believe in yourself wholeheartedly. And um, don't... Um, don't belittle anyone. Um, just be honest to who you are. Don't worry about others. Just be honest to who you are. And um, the people who you want in your life, they will know and they will see um, the real you um, protruding out of this chaotic world. And, um, and yeah, just believe in yourself. Man, what a great way to close up the show. It's a great way to close up the show. So, again, thank you so much for being here, my cousin. Really appreciate it. Love you so much, my cousin. Yeah, love you too, my cousin. Appreciate it. So, Fano, thank you for listening, watching on whatever platform you're watching on. Welcome back to the new year. Uh, 2023, we've got this baby 99 dreams. Mori, take care.